Our Father in heaven, we thank you for all of your kindness and your goodness toward us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would um, help us today as we think about aging and um, finishing our lives well in faith and to your glory. Would you give us understanding? Would you uh, shape us into people who um, run this race um, to the end? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we started a new Discipleship Hour class last Sunday called Finishing Well. Um, It's based on uh, a book by J.I. Packer called uh, Finishing Our Course with Joy. And we're talking about aging well. Um, not not meaning like looking good as you age and and all of that, but um, finishing our lives in faith in um, to the glory of God. And and let me just repeat a couple things we said last week um, by way of introduction. Who is this class for? Now you might be sitting there thinking, I've got my whole life ahead of me. Um, why do I need to think about aging? It's not you know this doesn't apply. Well. Um, All of us know people who are aging. All of us love people who are aging. And this class uh, might give you some insight into particular challenges they're facing um, and ways that you could be a help to them. Um, Some of you um, are aging and, um, you know, you're further along in life. and, And aging and all that goes along with that is a big part of your daily experience. And then some of you are, are still young, and it's good to think about this now. Um, scripture repeatedly commends the wisdom of, of contemplating the end, knowing, um, in a sense, your own mortality. Um, I think Craig shared this quote last week. Terry Pratchett said, Inside every old person is a young person wondering what happened. Um, and, and I'm sure um, those among us who have um, more life experience under their belts could tell you. Um, you know, sometimes you might look back and think, where did the last 30 years go? They just seem to fly by. So even if um, you're not, you wouldn't consider yourself um, older yet, there's, there's a lot of value here. And then, and then for those of you who are um, maybe in that category, Obviously, um, we're hoping this is, is helpful to you. Um, this week, we're going to be talking, uh, the title for this week's lesson is Soul and Body. And knowing how to finish well um, involves knowing who and what we are as human beings, which might seem a little um, kind of commonsensical, like, of course, we know what we are, but um, we're going we're gonna to talk a little more specifically about this soul-body um, dynamic. Um, we need to know this. We need to know who and what we are as human beings, and in particular, um, a little bit about what it means to be soul and body, so that we can come to terms with how we change over time. Um, we're not static beings. We, we constantly change, and then over time, we change, and Understanding how God made us um, and what happens to us as time goes on is is important for coming to terms with aging. Uh, We'll talk a little bit towards the end about there's a strong temptation to live in denial, to to live as if we're going to live forever, 
Now, we know the hope of the gospel is eternal life, resurrected life, so I'm not talking about that kind of live forever, but there's a, a temptation to, to live as if this life, the way things are now, will continue forever just like this. And um, so we need to understand who we are and what we are and that things do change. And wisdom, part of wisdom, is embracing reality, not living in denial. So who and, and what are we then? And you can see in your outline there, um, this section I've, I've called Embodied Souls and Ensouled Bodies. Um, let, let me say a, a few things here. Um, we are neither, as human beings, th- this part will be a little heady. I'm trying not to make it too heady, but um, this part, we've got to get into some conceptual things. We are neither a bag of cells nor souls trapped inside bodies, okay? So there's kind of two extremes there. Um, Bag of cells, which would be kind of the modern, Western, scientific view of human beings, which would say that we are merely um, biological organisms. We are... um, you know, made of flesh and bone, muscles, organs. There's, there's tons of chemical processes that take place inside of us. And in that sense, we are simply material beings and really not all that fundamentally different than, than other animals and plants and other creatures that inhabit this planet. So that's, that's kind of the one extreme of... of um, Uh, explaining what human beings are. I'm I'm just calling it the bag of cells uh, view. On on the other end, um, you can have this view that um, the the true self is is an immaterial soul. And, And right now in this life, the soul is trapped inside of a, a physical, material body. And and freedom and true happiness and, and real life and meaning and purpose are found in being released from the body. So, so a, a bodily existence in some spirit world or, or some ethereal world. And um, that, that idea has, has many roots, um, platonic philosophy. It's also found in Buddhist thought. And unfortunately, many Christians think like this, but it's not biblical. It's not the Bible's perspective on on what, it's not the Bible's teaching on what human beings are. Um, The biblical view of human beings is, uh, I put up there, dualistic holism, which is kind of a fancy way of saying human beings are embodied souls and ensouled Bodies. So the, the term dualistic uh, points to the fact that, that we are body and soul. Uh, we're not merely the bag of cells, and we're not really just a soul who's, who's temporarily occupying this, this body. Um, but the term holism points to the fact that, that body and soul are distinct, um, and, and scripture does talk about body on the one hand and soul on the other. 
We can distinguish between them, but in a sense, they're inseparable. Um, the, the Scripture views human beings as a whole, not simply as um, uh, bodies, not simply as souls, but embodied souls. And uh, Packer says, we are personal selves living in and through physical bodies on which we depend for energy and ability to do things. So the, the biblical perspective, and I'm simplifying things here, but the biblical perspective is we are, we are wholes. We are, we are body and soul. Again, we can, we can distinguish, but dualistic holism is, is really captures the, the biblical perspective, the biblical teaching on what human beings are. Now, real quickly, where do we see this, this dualism in Scripture? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but um, Philippians 1.21 you have Paul, who's in prison, talking about his future, his uncertain future, not sure whether he's going to live or die. And he says that um, physical death, if he ends up being executed, um, physical death means being with Christ. So you can see the dualism there. Paul can talk about the, the cessation of physical life, and yet talk about still being consciously uh, aware of himself and present with Jesus Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.8, again, Paul t- says that, that being away from the body or being absent from the body means being at home with the Lord. So again, you see Paul talking about the, this kind of dualistic idea that the bodily, physical life can cease, and yet... Even after physical death, we continue to exist as conscious, personal selves or soul. Um, so there, there's other places we could, we could look at in Scripture um, to see that. But those are just two examples from Paul where he clearly distinguishes between um, present bodily life and what theologians would call the intermediate state, You know, this life after uh, death, and then after the intermediate state, resurrection. Now, the challenge for us as we think about who and what we are and how this all relates to the, the topic of aging is to avoid um, reductionistic thinking. So we need to avoid, on the one hand, that, that view that says human beings are just a bag of cells. Um, you know, there's nothing more to them than than chemicals and, and physical properties. Um, so we need to avoid, on the one hand, that perspective. The, the, the other, on the other hand, I, I think the view that is probably um, more of a temptation for us, and, and in particular because I don't know why, well, I have theories of why, but American Christians tend toward the other perspective, which is that, that radical dualism, that the body is unimportant and what really matters is the soul, which is equally unbiblical. Um, And we we have to walk this line of, and we'll talk about the tension later, where Scripture places value and importance on the physical body and and yet um, and value and importance on the human soul and, and sees human beings as a, as a whole. Yes, distinguishing body and soul, but 
one person, a, a holistic person. So both body and soul matter to God. Both are important to God. And, and we see that, in particular, the importance and value of human bodies in, in the way that um, human bodies, the role they play in creation, the original creation and the new creation. And so let me just highlight three things here. Um, again, we don't, we don't have time to do a whole you know, survey of Scripture on this, but um, the importance of human bodies, physical bodies, in both the original creation and the new creation. Uh, number one, God created our bodies. No surprise there, right? But, but think about it. God creates a world. He creates a physical universe and creates human beings as embodied souls. Um, he could have done it a different way. Um, but he created human beings to, to, to be physical beings and place them in a physical, material world. And, and God, you remember Genesis 1, uh, God pronounces the, the world he created good, and then after he creates humanity, very good. So uh, we see some of the importance of, of the physical human body by the very fact that God created it, that he, we see some of his, his creational intention, even before the fall. Uh, William Temple said, God likes matter, he made it. We could say God likes human bodies. He, he made them. So God created our bodies. Second, God the Son took to himself a human nature, including a physical body. So God the Son is part of the, God's plan to redeem humanity. He becomes a human being. He becomes a real flesh and blood human being. Um, not, not just, you know, these are debates that, that occurred in the early, early centuries of the church. He didn't come as just a, a spirit who appeared to look like a human or, or kind of, you know, um, like these science fiction movies where some alien comes to the planet and inhabits a human body, but it's just kind of like a shell, like a costume that they're wearing. The, the God the Son became a real flesh and blood human, pointing to the fact, number one, pointing one to the inherent goodness of, of, the, of human bodies, going back to creation, but also pointing to God's desire to liberate human beings, in, in, in particular our physical bodies, from the effects of the fall. So um, part of the reason... God the Son became a, a flesh and blood human being is because he intends to redeem all of us. I don't mean all people, but I mean the whole of who we are, not just our souls, but, but even our bodies. And that, so you have creation, you have incarnation, and then third, the, the future. Our, our hope as Christians, our hope for the future is not release from the body. And, and I'm emphasizing this today because I find that, that many of us don't have a good grasp of this. Our, our future hope is not release from the body, but resurrection of the body. Um, in the resurrection in the new creation, our, our ultimate future um, is physical. 
So our ultimate future, what we're looking forward to, where we will spend, how we will spend eternity, is a physical existence in a renewed earth, in resurrected, glorified bodies. Now, you know from some of Scripture's discussion of the differences between the, our current bodies and, and our glorified bodies, there will be differences, but there will also be continuity. Namely, they're going to be flesh and blood uh, bodies, physical bodies. Um, sometimes, I've said this, sometimes Christians think that um, putting off the body would make for a better existence. And, you know, we're talking about aging, and you can understand that to some degree, right? If, if you know, you're growing older and aches and pains are kind of the, the norm, that your daily experience, you can understand why you might think, you know, if I could just be rid of this, this old, broken-down, creaking um, uh, body, things would be better. But Paul... Um, says that's not the case. Um, let me just, I don't have this in the slide, but 2 Corinthians 5, um, 2 through 4, um, Paul says, well, let me back up to verse 1. He says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, and he's using the picture of the physical body as a tent, if we know that that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's talking about resurrection bodies. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, longing to put on our resurrection bodies. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, while we are still in these bodies, these, these fallen, broken bodies, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us his spirit as a guarantee. Notice Paul, in using this, this, these pictures, says to be absent from the body is akin to being naked, is akin to being unclothed. And that's, that's not ultimately what we long for. Now, he'll go on, he goes on in, in there to talk about being absent from the body means being present with the Lord. And he says in Philippians that that's a good thing. But he says our ultimate hope is not um, bodiless existence, but to be further clothed, which is a, a poetic um, picture way of, of talking about resurrection. Um, physical, bodily resurrection. Um, that, that is our, our desire, our, what we long for and wait for, he says. So, so human bodies in both the original creation and the new creation, we see the importance and the value that God places on them. Um, God intends to, to redeem and renew and resurrect our, our bodies. Um, Briefly, let's talk about what, um, what are our souls. Now, it's kind of funny to me. Packer talks about this in the book. That's why we have it in here. I, just, I feel funny even asking that question because it's like, what, we've got 40 minutes left and people have been wrestling with this for thousands of years and, and tying their, their minds in knots trying to answer what is a soul. 
Um, it's complex. It's difficult to answer. It raises all kinds of uh, theological and philosophical discussions that are quite involved. Um, and part of that, you know, if we're thinking of it theologically, the Bible, you can't find a chapter in the Bible that says, you know, you look up the word soul in the concordance and it just, okay, here's like the five key aspects of the soul or something like that. It's not like that. Um, so let me give you a, a simple answer. Um, this comes from Packer. He says, you could think of the human soul as a, as a conscious, personal self. Um, there's a lot more that could be said there, but a conscious, personal self. And <clears throat> some of the faculties of the soul, and, and they're not exclusive to the soul, because remember what we said? We are embodied souls. Um, our souls and bodies are, are linked in this life. So some of the faculties of the soul. Thought, reasoning, planning, memory, imagination, um, feeling and emotions, although again, not, not exclusive to the soul. The body's involved in, in those things. But um, like we saw from the Philippians passage in 2 Corinthians, our personal self-awareness continues after um, bodily life ceases. So um, again, we are more than simply neurons. We're more than simply chemical processes. Um, we are souls. Um, and notice I didn't say we we have a soul. I think that's a little um, it can it's a little weird to say it like that. We are souls. We are embodied souls. Um, what is the purpose of our bodies? So we talked about a little bit what is the soul, but what is the purpose of our bodies? You know, why didn't God just create us as simply immaterial souls? Um, again, a lot that could be said here, but let me give you two, two purposes. Um, number one, God created us as embodied creatures so that we could manage and steward the physical world that he created. So going back again, Genesis 1, God creates human beings, places them in the world that he created, and, and commands them to exercise dominion over the world, to, to represent his wise and good rule over the, over the earth. And so in order for human beings to do that, we need to be embodied creatures. And so part of it is just God's design for the, the universe and humanity's role in, in the world as his stewards, his vice regents. But, but second... Um, second reason, what's the purpose of our bodies? Uh, I think it's safe to say from Scripture, God created human bodies to enrich our lives. And you think about just um, uh, the experiences we are able to have as embodied creatures, our five senses. You know, just the, the things we can see and hear and smell and taste and touch. Um, I was just thinking, you know, yesterday afternoon uh, was a, a nice fall afternoon in um, Southern California and just feeling the, the warmth of the sun on your skin. It's not too hot like it is for me in the summer. Uh, it's not quite that cold yet, but just these, these physical experiences that God created us to have. 
and, and they enrich our lives. I mean, you know, it's holiday season and, and you've got, you know, you're cooking turkey at, at home or you've got some, some uh, spiced apple cider kind of simmering on the, on the stove and just the aromas that, that fill the house and, and they bring delight. Um, so experience. Um, another way physical bodies enrich our lives is through expression. You, you think of body language. So much can be communicated just through the, the features and muscles of, of the human face. Um, have you ever seen any of those, uh, you know, the composite photos where they have, you know, rows of people, same person, maybe, you know, two rows where they're making a bunch of different facial expressions, you know, happy, sad, angry, confused, um, whatever. And it goes on and just through the way the eyes are or the, the cheeks or, you know, the, the, the way the mouth is shaped can communicate so much. And so um, human bodies give us a, a, a mechanism to express ourselves and also to um, read others and know a little bit about what's going on inside them. Um, so experience, expression, also enjoyment. So related to the previous two. I mean, God created us as physical beings who need to eat and drink, and he gave us taste buds and, and made the food taste wonderful. I mean, not all food, but, um, <laughs> but he created us with the ability to, to experience um, enjoyment from you know, just simple acts like eating and drinking, um, listening to music. He created, he created us not only with the ability to make music, but to hear it and appreciate it and be moved by it. Um, the the act of relaxing after a hard day of work, you know, sitting down in a chair or whatever it is, and your body just all those sensations of just, um, you know, the muscles get to just cool off for a little bit. And so God created us; uh, He gave us physical bodies to enrich our lives, to um, to to be able He gave them to us to delight us, but also to lead us back to him as the fountain of, of all delights. Um, so who and what we are. So we are, you know, if, if just the big takeaway from that section is we are embodied souls. So it, try to keep that, those two terms together in your thinking of what is a human being. A human being is an embodied Soul, or, or you could flip it and say an ensouled body, um, not not one or the other, but but both. Now, because of that, we're talking about aging. This isn't just some hey, let's get together and pontificate about about the soul. Um, we're talking about aging and and some of the the challenges that go along with that and. Um, because we are embodied souls, um, there's, there's both tension and temptation for us um, as we age. Um, we were created for um, a life of meaning, purpose, and enjoyment experienced in and through a body, um, experienced in and through physical life. But 
our bodies slow down and wear out. And so there's tension, right? God created us to, to live as, as physical creatures, and yet we're, going, we're experiencing progressive decline and slowdown and the body's breaking and not working the, the way that they always did. And that presents unique challenges. Um, so our, our bodies wear out. Now, um, Packer tries to capture, I, I thought it was a little funny, he's like, you know, for the first 60 years, your body works great. Now, that's not true for everybody, right? Um, but, you know, your first 50 or, or 60 years, um, your body functions relatively well, um, even, even those with certain conditions, you know, maybe it functions relatively well. And, and then, and I, I'm speak, I'm just, other people have told me this, I don't know by experience, but, you know, around 60 or so, um, you, you start to face new limitations. Um, energy levels uh, shrink, right? Um, I forgot what the other thing was I was going to say. Oh, yeah, your memory doesn't work as well as it used to. I, I was joking right there. Um, um, you know, memory begins to be a little less reliable. Um, some of you are thinking, I'm not 60 and I'm already there. Um, but uh, aches and pains become, uh, they're no longer, you know, like you, you went and played uh, basketball and, and you're a little sore the next day. Now it's just like, that's your existence, is aches and pains um, from the moment you wake up till you, you lay back down in bed uh, for the night. Um, Exercise and diet can slow the process, right? But exercise and diet can't stop it. Um, the, the body continues to wear out. And so there's certain temptations that, that go along with, with that. Um, you know, uh, the first is, is denial. So I mentioned that earlier. Um, you can weigh in on this a little bit. Um, what does deny, denying that we're aging look like? Well, it, it can look like a number of things. I, I think of people who, um, you know, physically and mentally don't have the kind of energy uh, that they used to, but they refuse to slow down. You know, it's just they're they're working, um, refuse to retire, um, and work, you know, harder because it takes them longer to do things. They're working more hours and working, you know, just kind of working themselves to the grave, into the grave, to try to keep up with the younger people in the office. Um, uh, there's, there's another way, another form of denial is just cosmetically hiding the, the signs of aging. Now, not all of that's bad, but um, I, I saw a, a trailer for a, a new, I think it was a TV series, um, and there was an actress in the series who was like a big-time actress in the 80s, starred in a lot of movies in the 80s. I hadn't seen her on the screen in quite some time, and, and I saw her in this trailer, and I thought, whoa, <laughs> she's trying to pretend she's still um, that, that young girl the, in her early 20s, um, back in the 80s. And so, um, and it's not just women who do it. Um, men 
you know, with hair dye and, and all kinds of things. We, we can try to cosmetically hide um, the signs of aging. What are some, uh, what are some ways you think um, we as people or even as a society try to deny the fact of our, our mortality and, and the process of aging? And I'm not going to have the mic go around. You can just say it. Go ahead, Eamon. Okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's a that's a big one. Like, you, the way you think about yourself, you're like, I'm I'm the way I've always been, right? But your body screams at you and says, Nope, we've changed. Anything else? Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There, so denial is a big temptation um, to just to live as if um, the way we are now, we're just continue to be that that forever, uh, and things won't change. There's another temptation, um, dropping out of the race. And in other words, what I mean by this is. Um, we can let the experience of, of bodily and, and mental decline, the, the things that come along, that go along with aging, we can let that, that decline um, lead us to kind of cool off in our, our discipleship to Christ. So we can kind of, you know, you can say, I don't have the kind of energy I used to, I, I can't think as clearly as I used to. Um, you know, everything's difficult because I have arth- arthritis and, you know, all these aches and pains. And, and you just kind of let your, um, your faith um, flounder as well. You know, the body's going and so um, the faith can, can go as well. And, and I've, I've seen that um, with a, a number of people as, as they age. And I think Craig brought this up and we'll talk about it some more in the coming weeks, but just some of the particular temptations that, that those who are aging face of just, you know, life is hard and things are declining and giving in to just bitterness and anger and cynicism and, and grumpiness. I mean, there's a reason, you know, films and TV shows like uh, Grumpy Old Men resonate with people, <laughs> right? Because it's a, it's a particular temptation for human beings as they age to, to give in to those kinds of things um, and to kind of um, just maybe not totally give up on, on being a follower of Christ, but, but thinking I've, I've put in my time. Um, I, I don't need to keep pursuing um, further spiritual growth and maturity. I've, I've done that. Um, when in reality... Um, the, the latter years, the aging years, can, can be a time of continued spiritual growth, can be a, a time of 
uh, deepening maturity. It doesn't just because the body is declining doesn't mean um, the the soul or you know your faith needs to decline. It, it can it can grow. It can become more robust. Um, so just that that temptation of dropping out of the race, maybe not completely, but um, in some ways. So what do we do with this this tension? Um, God created us to be physical, embodied beings, um, and yet on this side of the fall, because of the fall, bodies wear out. Bodies get sick. Bodies get diseases. Bodies, you know, you break limbs, your your eyesight um, fades, um, all of that. What do we do with this tension that you know, God created me for some robust physical existence, and yet, you know, that that's going away. Um, I, I think we can, a simple way to put it is to embrace the tension. And I've got a few things of w- what I mean about embracing the, the tension. Um, and, and I realize it's easy for me to say this as somebody who's in their 40s and, and not necessarily you know, experiencing the same kinds of things that somebody in their 60s, 70s, 80s experiences. But embrace the tension. And part of what that means is, number one, acknowledging God's providence and God's will. You know, um, in God's providence, this is where he has me. I'm a, I'm a 68-year-old with whatever, you know, whatever the state my, my physical frame is in. And just acknowledging this is where God has me right now in my life. Um, I, I was thinking about Psalm 90 um, this week, this past week. And Psalm 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And you could go back and read the whole psalm at, at some point. But um, the psalmist you know, is talking about, Life's difficult, and you know we've got a certain number of years, and then we fade away, and, and we're gone. And so he's thinking about mortality, and and his request. It's interesting. His request. This is the first request in the psalm. Um, the request is is not to prevent death. So he doesn't pray that God would would keep him from dying, nor does he pray that um, God would stop the process of physical decline. Um, instead, the, the psalmist asks for, you could say, self-awareness. Teach me to know my, my mortality. So the psalmist isn't asking, God, tell me how many more days I have left on this earth. That's not what he's asking. He's just saying, help me to live in, in the reality of the fact that I'm a mortal being with only so many days <laughs> um, left in my, in my bodily existence, present bodily existence. Um, he, he, the idea of knowing our days is um, that we would live wisely as those who know we will not live forever. Um, uh, live Living with an awareness of mortality. Um, living with an awareness that bodies wear out. That's, that's the way it is. Not, not as some kind of you know, callous, dismissive attitude, but but saying, yeah, this is the, I'm going to continue to decline. 
and and decline is now going to be you know as I, I reach some of these upper years decline is just a, a permanent feature of of my life and teach me Lord um, to to live wisely um, and to embrace reality in in faith not in not in cynicism but so acknowledging God's providence is part of embracing the tension also um, lamenting the decline and loss that go along with aging. So, uh, you know, a few, I don't know how many weeks ago, several, a couple months ago now, we were in Romans 8. You remember Romans 8? And, and you know, majestic chapter about the, our security and confidence in God's love. But Paul talks about how all of creation and human beings included are, are groaning in the present under the the brokenness and fallenness of, of the world and, and our existence, groaning and longing for the, the promised resurrection glory. And so there, there is a sense God created us for a meaningful embodied life. Because of the fall, bodies wear out. There, there's loss that, that is real, and, and it's appropriate to, to lament that loss. To lament that you know you wish you could um, you could do so much more and, and spend so much more time with family and friends, but it's hard for you to you know you don't like to drive at night anymore, and so it makes it difficult to get together with family or friends who, who live far away. And it's okay to lament the 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 things that that you lose as you age. Second um, Corinthians five we read earlier. 2 Corinthians 5, 2 through 4. Paul talks about groaning in, in this present um, uh, bodily existence, in these bodies that are wearing out. We groan, he says, um, which is in part um, a kind of a, a lament, a, a painful groan, but also a longing for resurrection glory. So acknowledging God's providence, um, lamenting decline and loss, and, and the reason I mention the lament part is I think a lot of us as Christians, um, we think, well, we shouldn't acknowledge that things are hard, right? We should just put on the, the smile and say, you know, um, God is good, and he is. But he also gives us permission to acknowledge that life, is, life in this fallen world is hard. Life in a body that's wearing out is difficult. So lament, decline, and loss. Third, Trust God to give you grace in your weakness. You remember Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 talks about this uh, thorn in the flesh that he has, and we don't know exactly what that was. Um, but he, he says he prayed three times for the Lord to take it away. And do you remember how, what answer the Lord gave him? Did the Lord say, you know, Paul... You've prayed so many times for this. I can see that you're serious, and you've served me so faithfully over so many years, so I'm going to grant your request. Is that what the Lord said? No. The Lord basically said no. And he said, but um, I'll give you grace to sustain you, and my grace is made perfect or complete in, in your weakness. And so... Trusting God, you know, as you move into these different phases of life where you're experiencing decline and um, loss, trusting God to give you grace 
in your weakness. So you may not be able to do what you once did, but you can faithfully follow Christ now. He, he will give you grace and sustain you with his grace um, where you're at right now. Um, and then finally, hoping in and longing for um, future resurrection life. So part of the reason I think we, we don't necessarily long for the resurrection the way we ought to is because we have that mistaken idea that, that at some point we're going to die and be set free from, from this, this physical life and world. And yet the, the hope that the gospel holds out is, is renewed, resurrected, physical life in a, in a renewed, redeemed, restored world of where there's no sin, there's no sickness, there's no death, there's, there's holiness and happiness and life and meaning and purpose as the way God intended it to be. So embracing the tension that the last part is, is hoping in that future. Things are not the way they're supposed to be right now, but setting my hope in the way things will be one day. Um, so souls and, and bodies. Um, what, um, let me just give you an opportunity. You don't have to answer if you don't want. But um, as... As you think about that tension between we're, we're embodied souls, not just a body, not just a soul, um, where is there one that you're more particularly inclined to ignore? One side of that? Or how have you seen it played out where um, just kind of this lack of recognition? that were, are you stretching, Cindy, or? Okay, go ahead, Cindy. Hmm. I should just pray, not exercise, or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's a really great point. Um, so if you didn't hear, Cindy said sometimes she feels guilty for taking care of her body as if that's not, um, not spiritual. And, and obviously, you know, um, you could overemphasize physical well-being, right, to the neglect and detriment of, of who we are as embodied souls. But, um, yeah. It's, you know, there's a stewardship, you could say, of taking care of our bodies, at least. I don't know. 
<laughs> I mean, I could guess as a man, but I feel like I'm at a little bit of a loss. Yeah, yeah. I, th- that would be an interesting thing to explore. Is just the the way the different ways that men and women experience aging. Obviously, there's lots of overlap, lots of commonality, but particular um, challenges and and experiences there. Um, I, for men, um, and this is true of women too. But you know, just a general. You know, a lot of guys. Um, uh, a lot of their their understanding of themselves is built around you know I'm strong I'm a provider I'm a protector and then as you know you age and you become um, more feeble and frail that that could be a particular even though women also grow you know weaker and um, that could be maybe a particular way guys experience, men experience some of the the effects of aging um, okay. I, we're going to wrap up for today. Um, we'll continue this series. Um, we'll, we'll continue next week talking about um, how do we keep going. So we're um, declining. We're experiencing loss. We're experiencing new limitations. How do we keep going as, as Christians? Um, so we'll, we'll start to tackle that next week. Um, let me pray, and then we'll be done for today. Our God and Father, uh, we do pray that you would teach us to number our days so that we may gain a a heart of wisdom. We want to be wise people, um, living in light of your word and your truth, living in light of um, reality, that our our bodies do wear out and grow feeble and frail. Would you help us to um, be people who, who embrace that reality and embrace the tension in faith that we would be able to both um, acknowledge the difficulties of, of growing old and yet put our hope and trust in you and see um, your provision for us, even as we age, that we would be able to um, even continue pursuing Christ as we, we grow older. That Pray, Father, uh, in particular for those who are already there, that you would continue to enrich um, their their life and communion with you, that they would um, continue to, to bear fruit and that they would continue to rejoice in your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.